Welcome back, Sean. Yes, welcome back, Peter. We're back to the start of the new year, new podcast. Start of the new year. New this, is this the first? No. Didn't we do Charles after? I don't know. They all blend we together. Did Charles. We all blend. We, you know. second, second podcast of the new year. <laughs> we were talking about this like 10 minutes before we recorded, but we were talking about how we've done so many shows, so many mics that like most comedians just blend now. Yeah, you can't like... Uh, you can't tell the the difference apart between comedians anymore. Yeah. It's, there's always just like the archetypes. Like there's the awkward nerdy guy. Yeah, the big fat funny guy. Big the, fat funny. We just described ourselves, but other than that, <laughs> uh, no. But welcome to another episode of Two, two Mike Minimum. minimum. Feels this good. To feel our your finger touches. This is our. We're doing it's our logo. I like. I like how, how it. <laughs> it's great how we just introduce ourselves like this to a complete stranger. Yes, all the time. This is how we, we do this a lot. But um, let's uh, introduce our stranger and make him a friend. Today yes, on yes. Uh, our guest today, he has headlined on five continents, and he just got back from doing shows in Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Sean Eli, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. We're two thirds of us are Sean, so yes. it makes it a good podcast. Two, two I know. I feel it's outnumbered. I feel yeah. outnumbered and threatened. You are so. outnumbered. Yeah, very outnumbered. <laughs> right, but it's spelled differently, so... Yeah, it's slightly different, but yeah. here we are. You should feel threatened. You can't see it, but in the next room, there's a sword hanging over the doorway. Oh, really? So we should have looked... A sword? We should have done an ocular pat-down before we got in the room and make sure we were safe. Okay. Podcasters are a very hunted bunch. Honestly, I, I, I kind of feel more threatened by someone who has a sword than a gun. Like if someone said they had a gun, I'd be like, "Oh, it's a you know, it's a God-fearing American." But if someone was like, "Oh, I have a sword in the back," I'd be like, "Ooh, okay." Yeah. Well, if I, had a, if I had a good sword, I like I'd want to use it. You know, like. I, oh, I, now you're making me think I want to use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is the sword from? Is it from it? From, like, was it? My dad brought it back from World War II. Oh. So, to the best wow. of my knowledge, nobody's been killed with it, but <laughs> I don't know for sure. Fun was it like uh, a spoil, or was it like something that he earned? Or? Okay, so the story. My father tells is the Japanese soldier had a sword. My dad had a rifle. And then you give my dad a couple of drinks and you find out that the <laughs> Japanese soldier had two pair and my father had a full house. So, <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, there there you go. Well. <laughs> so that's funny. Because he, he was at the tail end of the war. So who knows? Yeah. I think what happened is they raided a warehouse and just took everything yeah, it's like hey so- anybody else want this sword no cool it's mine <laughs> yeah it's, well so it's I, more like yeah. i'm a sergeant i get the sword you get the, you know you're a corporal yeah. you get the dagger and you're a private and you get shoes you get you get the pen yeah yeah, yeah. it's mightier all, than the sword and they're all uh, stuffed away in attics across the country somewhere now. yeah <laughs> little, 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 little nevises and crooks. actually you know it was funny like my my grandfather was a korean war vet uh, no one knew this until after he died. He was awarded the Silver Star. Wow. Which is like the third highest ranking yeah, military it's, honor. It's up there, wow. And it was just, yeah, we were, and everyone was just like, oh, yeah, he did not want to talk about the war at all. <laughs> he took everything from the war and just stuffed it away in the attic. Bury those feelings deep down. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he killed a lot of Koreans. Well, when I'm telling my grandkids about the comedy wars in, uh, <laughs> in 2070. The Civil uh, War uh, between it's... the Brooklyn Knights and the Manhattan comics. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, the bloody, bloody war was. Yeah, we we had a we had a uh, a decisive victory at the creek in the cave when we took over that venue. <laughs> yeah. I think I think there aren't that many comics from the Bronx, but they would still win the war. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I've never heard of like Bronx comics. I feel like they've Adrian Appalucci. That's like, one. One Carlos. That's two. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I guess it's because like the either they would associate themselves with just like I don't know, like a Manhattan comic or well, like, like an overall city like comic. Robert Klein. Yeah. Okay. So now, we, now we can name a lot. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, what, out of, I'm done. What I meant is that, like, yeah. I, f- I feel like the Bronx doesn't have, like, a lot of shows, so it's not like a, 
uh, right. central yeah. hub of comedy. True. But, uh, no, New York is the central hub of comedy for the world. So yeah, for oh, the yeah, world. It's incredible. And then it's everyone incredible. everyone mitigates the like the three neighborhoods where it's happening. <laughs> to the <But> two clubs. <laughs> two two cl- two clubs. <laughs> hey, should I flip the switch on my mic into the on position? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I just like it's, sorry, it's on. Can, I love the way that you guys look down. Oh, yeah, well, so sometimes... Sean is very good at knowing when the audio is yeah, 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 working. You're coming so... through, so we're good. Yeah, you should oh, yeah. say that joke till like. Yeah, no, we, we like to banter at the top before we get into the interviews to help flow, make it flow easier. I would yeah. have forgotten by the time we got really going. So yeah, I no, had no, to no. do it now. Yeah, we're yeah. we're okay. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I if if this was like episode five, I would have freaked out. But like, we've been doing this for a while, that I'm like, I know Sean knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> he's fine, and I'm really confident looking what I'm do- knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. uh, we have we've only had one episode that the recording got cut out, and uh, we've we've been twenty episodes without an incident, so we're happy. with I think that. Mark Marin had. I think it was Mark Marin who discovered he like lost the recording and had to redo it as yeah. best he could. And he's the comedy, you know, the premier yeah. comedy he, podcaster. He so you're better than he is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, right. I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all. That That is frustrating. So actually, uh, when did you first meet Lorne? If we're... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, we can, we can get into it. Uh, so what made you get into comedy in the first place, Sean? A woman. Why does anybody do anything? I was I on mean, a date and she said, why don't you try stand up? And I said... You know, I write jokes. I'm not really a performer. I have friends who are actors, and it doesn't appeal to me. And she said, why don't you take a class? And I did and started performing, and it seems to be working. Here oh, we, so here, here we since then. How, uh, how long ago was that? Yeah, we started that. 16 years ago. 16 years ago. Nice. Okay. What, what, the, you, what kind of classes did you take? Uh, I mean, there's a million comedy classes in New York, and they're all similar. Yeah. This is a place called the American Comedy Institute where the guy just teaches comedy. He's not a comic. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> What's um, his name? Steve Rosenfeld. Steve Rosenfeld. I, okay. yeah, I haven't heard of him actually, but no, it's cool though. Uh, so you said, but you said you were like you were writing jokes. Did you write jokes before that, or yeah, I, I started writing jokes and I got lucky. Um, I I would just you know even as a kid, if I thought of something funny, I wrote it down, and then nothing ever came of it. And then you know I used to read the newspaper and think of something funny. And when Jay Leno first got the Tonight Show, I noticed that the things I was thinking of were the things that he was doing in his monologue. So I called and pitched and somebody asked me a bunch of questions and I started submitting and started selling jokes to the tonight show. Wow. So she knew about that when she said, Hey, why don't you try stand up? Wow. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't totally out of the blue. Yes. Yeah, so it was just like, ah, you know, just on the first day, like you should do stand up. Uh, what was uh, the, what was the venue that you first did it at? Um, I, the, well, the way that you guys know, but I don't know if your audience knows, the way that all all the classes are pretty much the same. You have a few weeks of instruction and you perform in front of the class, so yeah, it's a supportive yeah. environment. And then your graduation show is at a comedy club, and this time this was at Caroline's. Oh, okay. very nice. Okay, that makes sense. You know, in front of family and, then, and friends. Okay, um, and then yeah, yeah, and then and then since then you just be, you've just been doing like shows. Uh, well, you know, was, you bang your head against the yeah. wall for a decade, and yeah. either it works or you have a very dented wall. And- right, right. <laughs> Or I mean both probably. Yeah, no. So the, 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 my head's so thick it usually just goes through the wall. And I hope to come out the other side. <laughs> well, that's not good because I own this house. Yeah, no, I, I won't. I won't damage your house with my with my thick skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're doing sh- demolition across the street. Maybe they could use you. Yeah, and I could, I could oh, use yeah. the work. I, uh, definitely, I'm in you. the hole. Definitely use you after a bomb. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely be... the guy to go in. How are mm. you against stone? Because it's a stone wall. They're knocking down. Pretty solid against. Okay. It, yeah. I've got like a, just the iron head of just knocking against all the time. Years of football. Just uh, yeah. I can't feel anything up there. Well, cross <laughs> yeah, the street exactly. and one house yeah. over. Yeah, start one, banging on the yeah. wall. One house over. Uh, hopefully, if they're hiring, I'm down. 
Um, but what was like the process of getting like on, to get jokes on the Tonight Show then? Just literally, just was it like letter writing back then, or it, well, I was faxing, faxing. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, weirder is it was before the internet, so if you watch yeah. the monologue that was sometimes based on things that had happened the day before that were in that day's newspaper, mm-hmm. whereas now you know with the internet and five million cable channels carrying news, you something would happen at five o'clock and still end up on the show. Oh yeah, I mean, like even with Trevor Noah, the Daily Show, they'll have their debate jokes ready yeah well, right after the debate yeah yeah Everything well they, so they, have, they have to do it live now because it's yeah. just it's yeah. the instant because yeah. you know people will tweet out their jokes before yeah it's, oh. that's before a good point yeah. it. colbert has the same thing you know when there's a debate he has a show that's live at 11 30 yeah yeah i mean i think it's just kind of the, the evolving thing of it because like a lot of those monologue jokes a lot of people are kind of able to think of so like you just it's really yeah. just beating people to the punch like a lot of comics you know get accused of joke stealing now sometimes you'll see on the same like you know conan or somebody else doing the monologue and they'll have the same joke for whatever the headline was it's like no it's just parallel thought a lot of the time too there was back when there were three late night talk shows i think it was geez i'm trying to remember i think it was conan letterman and leno were the three late night talk shows Mm -hmm. and that was it all three of them had the same joke one night it was when dan (laughs) and i remember this because dan quayle said he he was not going to run for president in 1996. Mm-hmm. I know before you guys were born, but so so Dan Quayle said yeah. he, he wasn't going to run for president in 1996, and all three of them had the same joke. He hadn't ruled out running in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it was an okay joke. It's a pretty yeah. obvious joke, but the it's fact is, obvious. all three shows had it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's nothing you can do about that because there's some jokes that are just like it's very yeah, low hanging to... fruit, but you gotta take the fruit sometimes. Well, just, you know, yeah. a lot of people, are, you know, they're not sophisticated connoisseurs of comedy, mm-hmm. and you know, they the low hanging fruit they think is hilarious because they didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's yeah, true. That, like that we, is we, we, you we forget. I mean, yeah, we, we forget because we are ingrained in it. But like some people are like, "Oh no, that's hilarious!" <laughs> it's like you just, right. Well, it's like my taste in music is mainstream rock and roll, and people say that's pretty simple stuff. The Ramones only knew three chords, mm-hmm. and real music people will say no, jazz or classical is real music, and rock and roll is just fluff. But I'm a rock and roll fan, so I understand that for you know the same thing for comedy. Right, yeah. right, right. It's all a matter of taste. You know, if you go to a comedy club once a year and you hear the hackiest joke ever, you think it's funny because you have haven't heard it 50 times yeah oh yeah no like it's always surprising when you do the joke that like is tired amongst comedians but yeah. you do it for an audience and they're like whoa yeah i know oh. i remember exactly last year it was like july or someone tell michael jackson joke from like the documentary and it was like <laughs> i was just like i was like Ugh. but it, the audience ate it up he's like oh they they had they just hadn't heard it. and i'd, I'd suffer through four months of open mics of hearing people you can yeah. suffer. come up come up with them they try their best at you know a pedophilia yeah joke. i mean some people yeah. get their news at Facebook, you can get your news at open mics because people are on top of the uh, Megxit, uh, Australia of wildfires. <laughs> yeah, gotta, gotta be on top of it. But like, I mean, I don't, I don't try to be topical at all unless like I feel like there's something lasting about the joke. Because if you're being topical at like an open mic, it's just like, where are you going? It's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a thirty. No one's going to be talking about um the australian well maybe they were that's unfortunately they probably will be talking about it for the next three months but there are certain like specific topics that it's just like some like oh some trump mix up like that's no one's gonna talk about that in three years yeah (laughs) a lot lot of jokes become like potato chips where you just eat them quickly to get them you know and spit them out because like it's just gotta 
just bang, yeah. bang, bang. I mean, that's what twi- that's what Twitter is for. That's yeah. what Twitter is yeah. good for is for getting those jokes out, and then they're just there, and mm-hmm. you can leave them there yeah. rather than trying to like be like, oh, here's my tight five of stuff that's topical in November of 2014. Well, <laughs> right. I don't. I mean, I don't try to write topical jokes for that reason yeah. because yeah. by the time you get it working. You know, unless it hits on the first try, the topic's gone. But if I hear something on the news on the way to a gig and, or I think of something and it's worth telling, I'll tell it. But, oh, yeah. But two days later, like, you know, I don't even bother to write it down because two days later it's expired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be like something like organic. It can't be something that like yeah. you're trying to like, oh, let me get the perfect hot take to trump every other hot take that every yeah. comedian has Just to trying have. To carve out your own niche. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so anyway, so when did you start uh, performing internationally? Um, three years ago, I guess mm-hmm. it was. Uh, I just wanted to travel more, and uh-huh. my father was a tax accountant, so it's always been my dream mm-hmm. to make everything expensive in my life a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, where do I want to go, and can I do a show there to make it, if it doesn't cover the costs, I still get to write it off. And the first place I went was South Africa, which... An American comedian in South Africa is exotic because it's really far and expensive to get to. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, in the U.K., I'm nothing, but in South Africa, I was interesting to people, so I got booked at all three comedy clubs. Okay, so what are the comedy clubs in South Africa? There's one in Cape Town, uh, Cape Town Comedy Club. In Johannesburg, there's two. There's one that's run by two guys and just basically a club, and the other one is in a casino. Oh, okay. That's okay. a little makes bigger. Sense. Okay, so, so and you, you were booked at three of those, you said? Yeah, I did a week or five days, I guess, at Cape Town Comedy Club, and then I went on a safari for the a cup like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the other clubs. They were near enough each other that I could get from one to the other. Like, you know, people do in New York go from one club to another. So um, that's interesting. Though. How's, how's like the booking process with that of like just sending videos of yourself or your material? And yeah, it's like, basically like any other thing. Just it's to, the way you do it in America, except they don't ignore you overseas. Oh, really? So, I mean, if I wrote to a comedy club in another city here, they'd be like, we never heard of you. You don't have major TV credits. Right, right, what, right, what, right. We don't need you. But there, you know, to advertise that they have an American comedian was kind of interesting to them. Oh, so I'd, yeah. yeah, I sent video videos and a bio and said I'm planning to go. It started because a friend of mine was the, the American director of a South African charity. And I said, I'm thinking of going to South Africa. Do you want me to go do a fundraising show for you? And she loved it. And the people in South Africa loved it. And then they basically ghosted me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to go anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wrote to the comedy clubs and arranged bookings. Uh-huh. And did you say like, oh, I'm, I'm like specifically mentioned that you were an American comedian? Oh yeah. And then and then that was like, man, man, that sh- must be your ticket in. I should have done that when I was in Russia. Yeah, when I was in St. Petersburg, being like, I'm from America. There were tourists actually. It's funny. I was at some uh like you know tourist landmark in St. Petersburg, and there was like these two. There was this Kazakh couple. They spoke English. And they realized they didn't speak Russian, so they spoke to me in English. She's like, "Oh, can you take can you take a picture of us?" So I did, and then they were like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'm just like, "Oh, I'm from New York, America." Yeah, yeah. And they were like, "Oh, can we get a picture with you?" And I got I got. <laughs> a, they've this, never seen a New Yorker before. I mean, I, maybe not. I'm yeah. probably not. I mean, I probably I I don't think many Americans go to Kazakhstan, so they were very yeah. fascinated by me and they wanted a picture. So my girlfriend at the time took a picture of us, and now it's on their phone. <laughs> just me. <laughs> so they weren't interested in. Her her just you yeah um well i think i think yeah pretty much just me because like she she was uh she was originally from russia but she oh. lived in america i hope we, yeah. i ever go to kazakhstan there's just pictures of you everywhere there they're like <laughs> this, this beautiful little boy yeah oh actually i mean this is funny like i think this this is uh happened in south africa too that i think there was like some 
there's like some rap artist in America who, for some reason, like his music tracks got uh, played in South Africa and he was nothing in America, but he was really popular in South Africa. So popular that I think his music was part of like revolutionary groups. Wow. (laughs) So like his music could be heard everywhere in South Africa but like because he was such a nobody in America, like no one could trace him at all <laughs> when they were trying to figure out who it was. Yeah, I don't know the whole gist of that story, but you can probably look it up. But um, that's cool. So uh, you did uh, five shows. I did five shows in Cape Town and then, I don't know, five or six shows in Johannesburg. Uh-huh. And like, so what, what did you try to open with? with uh, yeah, what's it like South relating Africans? to the audience? That well, obviously- South Africa was unique because I've also performed in three or four, I guess four maybe five other countries, six other countries. Mm-hmm. We'll count later, so I'll figure it out. But, I mean, I wrote, I think my stuff is pretty mainstream and universal. I don't have subway jokes or my apartment right. is the size of a postage stamp jokes. Or, mm-hmm. So I figured they would get it. I wrote to the booker and I said, I have one joke I have a question about. It refers to Craigslist. And she, <laughs> and she said, oh, we have Craigslist here. And then I do the joke and it doesn't get a big reaction. And one of the other comics, a South African comic, came up to me afterwards and he said, we don't use Craigslist here. And I said, oh, that's not what I was told. And he said, well, we know what it is, but it's not intrinsic. Like, as soon as you say Craigslist, we have to translate that into South African. Mm. So we use oh. Gumtree. So try using Gumtree and the joke. And so that's what I used the rest of the time I was there. <laughs> and then when I performed in other countries, I say, where basically the joke is about selling furniture. So I say, where would you go on the Internet to buy or sell used furniture before I, before I do the show? And they'll tell me, oh, it's a Facebook buy-sell group or Gumtree or we don't do that here or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've learned, you know, it, the language, if, if I say parking lot, you guys are American, you know what a parking lot is. Yeah. In another country, they may call it a car park. Now, if I say parking lot, the tenth of a second their brain has to take to twist that into oh car park yeah you you've lost it's they've lost much. a few words and you yeah it's there's a limited brain capacity so if you're if you make them translate something into their i shouldn't say language into their vocabulary mm-hmm. instead of doing it in their vocabulary you've lost a couple of seconds and and you may lose the joke right right yeah, timing right. is everything and just that yeah. is that yeah pacing is with your you know your say you've done a hundred times like oh that's why that didn't land and uh the south african comics there what did what did they tend to talk about like what was the kind of a lot of apartheid jokes yeah and you know it's interesting because south africa they explained to me it was is a very nationalistic country they've had what as they described they've had freedom there for i don't know 22 years or so and yeah, pretty good. They even Dave, yeah. They even <laughs> tell. Yeah. They even I had I met somebody and and somebody asked him how old he was or what year he was born and he said freedom plus two. That's sort of like telling oh, time wow. in BC or AD. Yeah. I don't know if that was common, but I found that interesting. But it was a very insular country back when under apartheid they had boycotts and mm-hmm. and so it became a very insular country and. The South African comedians talk a lot about South Africa. They talk a lot about race in open ways that would make people in America uncomfortable. And it was really interesting to watch. But it also made it much harder for me as an American to just talk about mainstream stuff. Yeah, because yeah. they're probably so used to a certain type of like humor. And if they're not that into like a uh, kind of alternative type, it might be pretty jarring to them. Well, so it's, it's like sense. their topics are more serious so somebody's right. talking about racial r- race relations and mm-hmm. this you know relative married that person and 
and we're waiting for reparations. And then I come out and I'm like, oh, men are different from women. I'm like, well, we don't care about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like they're, they're into like the more, that kind of more serious talk. Yeah. So like that's, that's well, in very... a funny way, it was comedy, right. but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. on well, serious I mean, topics. Yeah, like Trevor Noah was born there and he was born yeah. illegally, technically speaking. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's insane to think that it was, what, 35 years ago? Like, that's just uh, crazy. Like, I imagine that, that, I mean, it's basically, I guess, not 9-11 to us, but, you know, sort of like, but not a yeah. little, like, it was just one of those things where, like, it was such a massive part of, like, you know, when you can remember that thing happening, like, why wouldn't you talk about it all the time? Yeah, <laughs> well, no, yeah. it's like, it's a big, big cultural thing that uh, it would make sense in terms of relations, so. <laughs> well, when yeah. people found that I was yeah. an American before they knew I was a comedian, I would discover, and I'm not exaggerating, that the country really has two national heroes, is Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. and Trevor Noah. They are beyond proud of him. Oh, I'm It's sure like he cured be. cancer. Yeah. And all he did was he was a comedian who came to America and got a TV show. Yeah. yeah. But, but to but, them, that is the pinnacle of success. I mean, yeah. I, well, if anyone can make it in America from another country, that's got to be a big deal. But I also, mean, as a comedian, I guess, is more than a sports figure. I mean, if somebody came over here and you know, we're the center fielder for the Yankees or something, that would be like, well, he's a ball player. That's good. But yeah. Trevor Noah being an American comedian with a TV show is a really big deal to them. Well, right. Yeah, well, more people, people know about him. People see his face every single people day. See yeah. His face, yeah, like and he's, he's like a name. I mean, the ironic part is if we did the opposite, no one would give a shit in America. No. <laughs> it's like, oh, Sean Eli and Sean Barry both became yeah. huge comedy stars in South Africa. Who yeah, gives so a what? shit? Right. <laughs> well, people in South Africa <laughs> yeah. would, would I mean, that, I mean that, they that, would give up saying like no one in New York would take pride in us. I mean, the, thing, right? the ironic part is that like if we decided to like move to fucking Estonia and we could probably make it big there in like three years. <laughs> to, to my minimum would finally blow up. Because they'd be like, comedy, I've never heard of this. <laughs> well, assuming you could do it in Estonian. Yeah, we have to figure out the language barrier. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we we'll do that like problem a, we get to in it. like a European country where most people speak I mean, speak the new English. Ukrainian president's a, a former comic, yeah. so like, That's, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We have a chance. We could have, yeah. uh, we could have success uh, comedically and politically. <laughs> yeah, see, rise up the ranks real quick. Yeah. Wait, so you have a choice in this conversation being president of Estonia or president of America, and you chose Estonia? Yeah, I'd I mean, I mean Estonia. it's de- it's more. It, I think it's more realistic for us to become president of literally any other country. Bes- other is besides America. This is the only country you're eligible to be president of. Well, at the moment, but like you know, yeah. laws change every day. Yeah, okay. but it's it'd still be easier to take over a country comedically, become this big thing, and then be so big that we change the constitution yeah. we, we basically overthrow the government that's yeah. what i'm saying know, because yeah. we're so funny know, the power of celebrity goes a long way you know like people wanted to get the laws changed so schwarzenegger could be pre- president for a while there <laughs> yeah. so how, how does this yeah, sound exactly there irish prime minister jim gaffigan yeah I'm yeah down. yeah I'd, that'd be good just start putting new comics everywhere i mean yeah like yeah. uh i'm trying to think who else would be like i'm yakov pretty... smirnoff new president of uh russia right uh like yeah. i'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that musician who became big in South Africa, they'd give him a high ranking g- yeah, role yeah, in the government nice, like, if they discovered him and he moved to South Africa. He, they totally would. Yeah. I guess so, he'd just be the president of laughter. It's, you know, it's. <laughs> I'm not saying it's 100 percent possible, but it's feasible. Is what mm. I'm saying. A, a comedy revol a comedy revolution that overthrows a government. Yes. Um, but so, okay, that's cool. Uh, and then, so you've been to South Africa and then what are the other countries you've been uh, to? I went, I'm trying to do this in order, I yeah. guess. I went to yeah. Ireland, the UK and okay. the Netherlands, okay. uh, like six to- months later. Cool. You want to talk about Ireland? Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, Irish, the Irish scene. South Africa was hard. It was really yeah. hard for me to do comedy. And every night I was crossing jokes off my set list and trying new ones and thinking, well, I haven't told this joke in two years. Maybe they liked that better. And by the end of 
maybe seven or eight shows, I had a solid chunk that I could do that would get laughs. Mm-hmm. But it was it was like starting out all over again. It was like bombing all over again. Yeah. Right. Ireland was the opposite. Ireland, they loved everything about me. And the weird thing about Ireland is it's right next to the UK, which has a big comedy scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So British comedians can go to Ireland and perform. But the Irish comedy scene is the opposite. It's, there's not a lot of open mics. I mean, in New York, you can do 10 open mic spots a week. And you, as you guys know, you get better the more you get on stage. It's really stage time, stage time, stage time. Mm-hmm. And in Ireland, there's no stage time. There's like two open mics in Dublin and a, maybe a dozen shows. Wow. And so people aren't getting on stage. So somebody with 15 years of experience in Ireland is like a second year open micer in the States. So I felt, it sounds braggy, but it could, but I guess right. I ate it in South Africa, so maybe I could talk about Ireland <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. I felt like I was head and shoulders above a lot of the comics there. And even yeah. I went to an open mic which had people attending because it was a comedy show as opposed yeah. to a New York open mic where it's only other comedians not paying attention. There was a show mm-hmm. and I crushed. And it's like, really? People are paying attention in an open mic in a basement? But it worked. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, scenes that uh, have been kind of like deprived of comedy tend to really uh, come out and be excited when it happens. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially yeah. if, like, the people who kind of, like, produce comedy there know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember... Well, especially, like, a place like Ireland, though. Like, they're known, like, you know, the Irish are known for, like, ball-busting, basically, all the time. Oh, yeah. So, you they're know, probably... Plus, you know, plenty of, plenty of booze going around. Yeah. I think New, I'm allowed to say that. New York, there's so, <laughs> New York, there's so much comedy that yeah. it's, like, you can be really... Well, exactly, yeah. Well, just, you know, everybody in New York's walked by uh, Barker and been like, ugh, this yeah, guy. Yeah, you can be yeah. very choosy with what you go out to see, but I imagine in a in a place like Dublin, if there only if there's only two mics and there's only like a dozen shows, like that's pretty much all there is. Yeah, um, I mean there are comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they but they probably book like a lot of English. Were you uh, were you just in Dublin or no? I was in uh, I was in Dublin. I was in Belfast. I was in Limerick. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Um, as far as where those are the only three cities in Ireland I know. So <laughs> there's Galway, there's Cork, uh, Galway, mm-hmm. yeah. And the Irish comedians there. What were the kind of topics that they touched upon? Yeah, that I didn't. I don't remember specifically. So probably the same as everybody else. You know, nothing yeah. that stands out. Yeah, they I'm, weren't talking about apartheid and, and race relations. <laughs> they no, weren't I mean, talking about the troubles at they all. They couldn't talk about the troubles in the IRA. <laughs> I, or, I did. I, yeah. I was the only one. Actually, yeah. there were there were actually a couple of comedians that. That had some jokes about fucking it. shove it, England. Yeah, just mention your favorite drinks in Irish I mean, car bomb. Brexit is happening. One of the issues with Brexit is that border. I mean, yeah, imagine that would be a very palpable topic to joke about. Yeah, yeah but I was there two years ago, yeah, so it, was, uh, just, I think just, Brexit might have been starting to happen, but I don't know right. whether it was. Yeah, I mean, it, a it was big voted deal. in in twenty sixteen. That sounds right. Really? Right? Oh, then it was definitely. Oh, it I was, was there. I think in twenty. Maybe I, I. Maybe that issue wasn't as apparent as it, as it is now. But well, it's I mean, very it's, I think apparent. it's been. I think it's been an issue, but it's one of those like everyone just keeps kicking the can down the road. Like, ah, yeah. we'll deal with that yeah. later. Yeah, end of the month. Um, it's supposed to happen, right? Brexit. Finally? Yeah, but they've <laughs> they've had that been like it's the end of the month like ten times, and then they just keep pushing it back. Like, I remember there's been like ten deadlines for it. Right. Boris Johnson has a government though, so it's feasible now Man. from what i've heard i don't know well this is that's why we're not a political podcast because we <laughs> i all my political news comes from daily show <laughs> which you know but i don't want if i don't watch that night i'm, I'm clueless. daily show seth myers hell yeah. yeah it's embarrassing to me as an american that the the shows that do the most in-depth reporting are the daily show seth myers and john oliver yeah and, and not the news shows you think about it you watch 
you know, the six o'clock or the 11 o'clock news, and maybe a story gets 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then John Oliver will do 15 minutes and you'll actually learn something. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the thing I like the most about last week tonight is that it's very good at explaining a topic. Like, they go really in-depth with uh, their main stories and stuff. Whereas the news, the mainstream news thinks, oh, we just got to give a soundbite from both sides. And one side be completely full of crap, and they'll still play it and not fact fact check. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the problem with entertainmentification of actual news and the journalism of comedy at this point. It's like, oh, well... You're not going to do your job. We'll, we'll make all this news. We've these things we've learned about in a palatable manner for people because watching the regular news for most people is boring because like it's just like oh fact 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 is but like you can with comedy you have the edge of being like if something ridiculous happens you can be like that's insane isn't it <laughs> like right. way through a thing. Well, it's interesting because yeah. I meet people who speak for a living and you know there aren't comedians and they say oh my god your job is so hard. And I say, no, I just have to make people laugh. You have to be interesting. I don't know how yeah. to be interesting. I do know how to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess we can transition over to Holland. Hop, hop across the pond. Hop right? across to, the pond to, over to, to the UK. To, or we can go to the UK. Well, I, mean, I figured UK, everyone is pretty. I mean, yeah, you know, talk yeah, about your talk, experience in I, the UK. I say UK because technically Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, but yeah, I okay. didn't hop actually across okay, yeah, the so Irish that's, Sea. That's interesting. Yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah. So. There were a couple of people with jokes about the Troubles, but barely any. But also the Troubles were in the past for them. They may start again with Brexit. But when I was there two years ago, I mean, I I was in Belfast in 1990, I think. And it was sad and scary and run down. And then I was there two years ago, and there's a beautiful shopping mall and pedestrian streets that are beautiful and shoppers, and and everybody's pushing baby carriages, and they all look rich and happy. It's totally transformed. They're pushing baby carriages, not bombs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I didn't look in the baby carriages. That's funny. My my uncle actually always gets stops at airports because I guess there was a very famous IRA member named (laughs) named Kevin Barry, and I'm like, well, got to deal with that forever. Well, once Kevin Berry is dead, I guess they won't have to keep stopping your relative. I guess so. I hope not. So that's that's what I'm telling him to do. <laughs> yeah. Just kill, <laughs> the, kill the other. There can only yeah. be one. Right. Uh, that's... Uh... I wish to be made that a lot. There's all, no, no double names. I do. I do have like the the special watch list is all these Arab looking people, and then like the most Irish looking yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, ever. yeah. It's like Ahmed, Ahmed, Sean Berry, Sean Berry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you performed in Belfast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so there's like, a, is there a club there? Is, there's, is it... there's not really a club. It's like, you right, know, it's like bar a... gigs. Gotcha. gotcha. They, they'll say we're a club and you're like, when do you do shows? Like Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. Like, well, okay. that's and the rest of the time. Oh, we have music or, or just, you know, a lot of Guinness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there the same thing with Dublin or like the rest of Ireland? Is there not a lot of there's, open mics there? Um, yeah, Dublin, has you know a couple of open mics here and there, and then there's a couple of comedy. There's I say actually for the size of Dublin, they have comedy clubs, hmm. but not tons of shows the way you know the comedy cellar here has three rooms and you know what four shows a night or something on some nights. So yeah. and then we have a zillion other comedy clubs in New York. Dublin is not as big as New York, but it still has you know three or four comedy clubs. Plus all the one nighter right. rooms. Yeah, not a lot of people. Not, not a lot of places where a, like a big name comics just going to drop in for a set. There is there, 
I, I mean, they might, but yeah. if Jim Gaffigan were going there, he'd you know he'd sell out a theater. He wouldn't be oh, performing yeah. at a two hundred seat. Yeah. Or well, that's I've heard that a lot of the top comics talk about that. It's like because it's like Netflix and all their specials are so wide reaching now that they they've been doing these European and like Asian tours because there's just so many either expats or English speakers who are able to get them and understand. Them, so they just sell out the wazoo yeah. because there's just there isn't the same you know the the demand level is twice as high and the supply is you know in right. half. Well, you know, there's a there's a comedy club in Dublin called the Comedy Cellar, which is on the second floor, mm-hmm. which they mm-hmm. didn't explain to me. But I, I'm <laughs> hoping it's because they moved yeah. rather than somebody turned the building upside down. Right. But um, I got there and they said, OK, here's the stage. And I'm like, oh, where's the microphone? They're like, oh, we don't have any sound equipment. And I'm like, you can't have a comedy show without a sound system. Yeah. And they say, trust us. We've been doing this for a couple of years and we haven't needed it. The acoustics in the room are good. The audiences don't talk back to you. You just stand there and it works. And I got on stage. You know, I've never performed not holding a microphone. Occasionally I'll put it in a mic stand, mm-hmm. but I don't know what to do with both of my arms. And it's it's weird, but yeah, it, it worked. I just stood up there and I talked loudly, and the show went well. Old, uh-huh. old I'd imagine I'd oldest form of theater, right? I imagine it'd be yeah. a very low ceiling, and then like a very well, it wasn't, and maybe it would probably had only sixty seats. It wasn't a big room, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but it worked definitely. Yeah, I mean, like uh, it is like the mic is a very good prop for what it's worth. Even, yeah. even even like when you do because like you know there's so many rooms where like you actually don't need a mic no yeah but it's still but nicer like, to have well, a and mic. it gives it's you a still, couple of things one is it gives yeah. you the ability to out shout people and yeah. two is it puts you in a position of authority because you have the mic in your hand so you're the person that, who's yeah. supposed to be yeah. talking oh yeah that's that's completely true plus yeah it just changes also your demeanor on stage too it's like if you're not if you don't have a mic you're probably using your hands more too just naturally it was like yeah, everyone has that, that conscious thing of what do you do with your hands like the whole yeah. time, you know? You just got to let go. You just got to let it go. You know, you just got to let it go, and then you can naturally, you'll, you'll naturally figure well, you out what you do with the your hands. Well, you turn into the wacky, wavable, and flammable yeah, yeah, yeah. guy every time. Back when I was taking acting classes, I remember, like, I, I, I literally asked one of my professors, I was just like, I don't, I'm on stage sometimes, I don't know what to do with my hands, and she just said, let it go. Just like you just gotta let it go. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means, but like now I know what it means. It just means that if you're if you're not focusing on what you need to be doing with your hands, whatever you're doing is going to be natural. <laughs> yeah, but I think with me on stage when I look at video, which is the hardest thing for a comic to, oh, do, to watch yes. yourself, oh, I yes. end up using my you know waving my arm around too much, and I think yeah. I need to do that less. Mm-hmm. You know, it just occurred to me: we're sitting here at my dining room table. We're all holding microphones. We're all sitting down. I can get up and walk around. I can move around a little bit with this mic. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 no, you, you can. Room to move. You can do whatever you want. I have more energy <laughs> standing up. I've tried a couple of times oh, before yeah. me sitting down, yeah. or even sitting down before my set. I, I saw a, a not a podcast. I saw a. Uh, a YouTube video from somebody who talks about body language and says you have so much more energy standing up than sitting down. That oh yeah, you before do. you get up to talk, you shouldn't be. You know, you should be standing up before you get up. You know, get up yeah. to talk. So I try very hard not to sit down before a show. I try to at least for ten or fifteen. Uh, well, minutes yeah, I mean, there's feet. like makes sense. It's, no, just, it it's just getting your energy flowing and going. You can uh, you can boost your testosterone levels too. If testosterone. You do, like, if you do a power pose. Yeah, I've done power poses before. Yeah, what's, what's a power pose? It's like it's like when you, you when you get up and you. <laughs> We're demonstrating, you, but we, we yeah, both have mics in our, our hands. Like you do this, and then you hold your like it basically uh, to the people listening. You just like stand up in the victory pose, and if you do that, uh, it it boosts your testosterone levels, and it makes you as a result makes you more confident. 
So, and I've done that before. Actually, there was a comedian, Nick Callis, I think, actually joked about doing that on stage, yeah. too, being like, I was backstage doing power poses. Power poses. You guys know what those are, and he started doing them. It was really funny. That funny. Yeah, that's advice. That's unsolicited comedy advice. Another thing about standing up is that, you know, I always think about I mean, the beginning, the opening scene of, like, Pulp Fiction, when, like, uh, they go into that guy's apartment, and then, like, uh, um... Um, John Travolta fucking, and Sam Jackson. Yeah, when when Sam Jackson like tells a guy to sit down because he keeps standing up to like yeah. explain the situation, he's like sit down, like that's a power move right there. Yeah, well, I mean, that literally, it just changed. Like we're looking up at you now. now. I'm right. intimidated. Now I'm intimidated. Yeah, now are you intimidated? Like, when you were standing yeah. up, you're like half a foot taller than I am. So yeah, exactly. Peter, so that's Peter's why you need to now, sit back. Now down. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm well, like sword, oh. You know, this mic cord <laughs> might actually reach for me to go all the way into the other room and get the sword. Oh yeah, that's true. My. Maybe. I mean, if you untangled that last part, probably. No, I'm actually not going <laughs> to get the sword. We, we don't need to get the sword. We can deal with the sword afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then you went to, you've been to Holland. Yeah. Holland. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us uh, how, where you've been in Holland? It was one show in a place called Eindhoven. It wasn't in Amsterdam because I arranged the show. I, I arranged my trip at the last minute. It was too late right. to get booked a lot of places. Yeah. But it was an interesting place. It's a, I think one night a month they have shows and they sell out this 200 seat room. And I say, well, you sell out. Why don't you do more? Why don't you do it twice a month? They're like, no, we're happy with once a month. It seems to work for us. And I'm like, I'm an American capitalist. And I'm thinking, no, you have more demand for your product than you have supply. Make more. Do it twice a month. Mm. You get twice as much comedy. You make more money. And they're like, no, we're happy with once a month. But it's a, sh- it's a show in a town that has two things, a big university and a big engineering company. So they have a lot of people who speak English very well, not just Dutch people, but people from all over the world who speak English very well. Right. But other than a couple of people in the audience from India, nobody's first language there was English. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, so like... Um, and I'm not even sure yeah. about the Indian people, but at least they're from an English-speaking country. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and the show you did, were there a lot of like Dutch comics who also who, like spoke English? I think English, it was or? all Dutch. Maybe there was uh-huh. one English comic and the rest were Dutch, but everything was in... Was in English. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that would make sense yeah. just because it's such a universe. It's so much. It's so it's much more, easier to communicate yeah, with a foreigner in English than yeah, it is in like me trying to do their language. <laughs> well, I've learned, you know, even if you're fluent in a language, you're not. An, if you're not a native speaker, it's better for the comedian to slow down. So I talk a little bit more slowly when I perform in other sense. countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it helps. Because so many comics, especially New York comics, they'll talk at this pace. And people understand it, but their brain's a little bit behind. And, yeah. and by the time they get the joke, you're already moving on to the next one. Yeah, I've, I've been told that I need to slow down, too. Sometimes you just want to rapid fire. like, Or if you only have like four minutes or like three minutes in a mic, you're just like, let me see if I can speed through it. Just get as many jokes in as and I it does, can. It doesn't work. It doesn't, but these slow down. Yeah. You can talk. Well, here's the thing <laughs> that I learned is... Every instinct, when things aren't going well, every instinct you have is the opposite of what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Because when things aren't going well, if you're having tough, a tough time on stage, the instinct is to like withdraw and step back from, you know, towards the back of the stage and hunch over and, and be smaller no. and talk more rapidly because you want to get it over as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite. What yeah. you need to do is slow down, be more forceful, more more forward be in the audience's face and that's what does it but it's so hard to do when you're having a rough show yeah i mean i've i've been working on getting more comfortable with silence on stage and i feel like i've been getting better at that because i you know i do i do don't i don't want to 
be defeated on stage i want to still feel empowered because this is my time to speak and i want to like be utilizing it for the amount of time i have on stage yeah Eddie Brill, who's a comic, you guys know who he is, I guess, yeah, who, who used to times. used to book Letterman's show, says silence is the most powerful weapon in a comedian's arsenal. Mm-hmm. And it really is because yeah. if they're waiting to hear what you have to say next, you, you, you own them. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, the it's like kind of like the opposite of. Uh, love is in hate it's indifference yeah so as if you know if you have people like I, I i don't mind silence as much as i mind like knowing that people aren't listening to me like if you hear like a chitter chatter you hear like uh so things that are going on that aren't that indicate that there isn't focus towards you yeah like everyone that pulls, bothers like everyone me pulls lot. out their phone it's like no i'm listening like like silence <laughs> yeah. i can deal with but like if someone is just like if i hear someone talking to someone else i'll be like Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot yeah. concentrate on what I'm doing with that well, way. I've, what some comics will tell you is you just stop talking and then they realize they're the only ones in the room talking and they get self-conscious about it. It doesn't always work. Yeah. But sometimes it does. Or you get very quiet. <laughs> and then they also realize they're noisy. Or you just tell them to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah true, the ultimate yeah. Bad, just be like, shut the fuck up. I'm on stage right now. <laughs> I am talking. Uh, well, you get up here. You get up here and do some oh, jokes. Oh, God, don't yeah. do that. Don't no, ever don't. let somebody get on stage because you'll that. never get the mic you back. You don't ever exactly. want to do that. And also, I mean, there's an off chance they could be really good. And then you just, <laughs> then you just look <laughs> that, like that, a dick. Yeah, then it's really bad. You yeah. just look like a dick then. <laughs> I've always thought there should be like a hand signal for like other comics in the audience just be like so like if they don't do like if you're doing somebody's doing crowd work be like and they're like oh you and then you just give them like the signal be like oh sorry no i, I don't i'm not gonna pick on you for this yeah um but i guess we can move on to your mo- more recent tour which is recent Asia, Asia, new zealand and australia yeah. Yeah. so in order new zealand australia thailand Okay, cool. Okay. So, uh, so how was New Zealand? New Zealand was awesome. First of all, it's a beautiful country to visit. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. The people are friendly. It's not crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big comedy scene there. They have. When I was there, they had one. There's one comedy club in New Zealand in Wellington. Uh, no, actually, oh, in Auckland? in Auckland, ah, which is the gotcha. biggest city. Yes. Then, the, then the week after I was there, the guy who booked me, who opened for me and drove me around, opened a comedy club. So now there's two. The other one's in Christchurch. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so how was the how was doing how was performing in Auckland? I didn't get to perform in Auckland. No, no, no. I didn't yeah. actually perform at the comedy club in Auckland because I was there on a Sunday and a Monday. Ah. Oh. Shows, and then I was that's on the North Island. So I did mm-hmm. a show on a Wednesday in Wellington, which is the capital, and at the bottom of the South Island. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday, I flew to the South Island. And a guy named Snap, who opened for me, drove around, and we worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I actually have a crazy story about Saturday. So, Do tell. Yeah, when he picked me up, um, this may run long. It's not no, a short story. We, we but got time. Uh, he picked me up, and he said, by the way, we're going to be picking up a hitchhiker. And I gave him a look. <laughs> and he said, oh, not on the street. She's from the internet. I'm like, that, makes it, that doesn't make it safer. Yeah. And he said, oh, her Facebook profile is five years old. So, you know, because <laughs> he said, no, not that she's a five-year-old, that her yeah. Facebook no, profile has been around for five worse. years. No, but that's even worse. No, but yeah. what he said was, I do this all the time. There's a Facebook page in New Zealand for people who need rides and people who give rides, and I try to help out, which I appreciate. That's, is but, Uber not there yet? Um, yeah, you got to pay Uber. This is oh. free. Oh, this is a so, free. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. hitchhiking. Yeah. So he said, uh, you know, her Facebook profile has been around for five years, so she's obviously a real person. I'm like... 
No, no. I've watched Law and Order. Yeah. That's the Facebook profile of her last victim. Yeah, I don't <laughs> That's trust how that works. I don't trust anyone whose Facebook profile is more than two years old. I'm like, you haven't been on it at all. You're not a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was a 20 year old Polish hitchhiker, and uh-huh. we're driving around, and we do shows, and you know, we drop her off at a hostel, and the next day we pick her up, and and so she's in the back seat, has not said anything for a day and a half, really. She just let us talk and sat there, and then we hear from the back seat, "Hey, my friend just texted me, the bridge is is out because of flooding," and we were on the other side of the island where there was a massive amount of flooding, so we knew about it, mm-hmm. and we're like. Google Maps doesn't show any, you know, traffic, and this car's coming the other direction. They got to be coming from somewhere. Well, the reason Google Maps doesn't show traffic is there's no people in New Zealand, so there's no traffic. <laughs> the people coming in the other direction were being turned around at the bridge, and it turns out the flooding was so bad that there's a river that runs across the entire country, and we were on the wrong side of it, and all the bridges were out. Oh wow! And we had mm. we had to get back to Christchurch for a show and then I was flying home I'm flying to Australia the next day for shows mm-hmm. on a you know prepaid ticket so I'm like we got to get there yeah. and there's no flights there's like one airport in the south half of the south island and they had no flights everything was booked for 2 days and we can't even get a hotel because everybody else is stuck you know so I said wait a minute I have an idea pull over and he said what are you doing I said I'm Googling flight schools. And he said, why? I said, we don't need an airline. We just need a guy with an airplane. Jeez. I mean, true. <laughs> right. Very so true. we find a guy in Christchurch, which is the other where we want to go, and it's the other side of the river. Yeah. And he says, oh, I have some people who are stuck here. They're like you, but on the wrong side also. I'm going to fly them over to, actually, there's a little rinky-dink airport 10 miles from where you are. I'll drop them off, and then I'll pick you up and take us back. So we go to the airport, and he calls, and he says, it's too windy. Um, for us to take off in a small plane. This is like 3 o'clock. But maybe at Mm -hmm. 6 o'clock it'll be better. I'll call you back. And I check the weather, and it's supposed to get even windier. Mm -hmm. And then the little, like, Quonset hut we're sitting in at this rinky-dig airport, um, they say, we're closing, you have to leave. And we go outside, and we see another building on the other side of the field. We walk over there, and there's a bunch of people sitting there. And I walk over to the guy who looks like he's in charge. And I say, we want to charter a flight to Christchurch. And he says, oh, we, we're not licensed to do charters. We're just a flying club. And I said, do you do flight instruction? He said, yes. And I said, well, I'm an American pilot, which is true. And mm-hmm. I'm a little rusty, and I want to brush up on my skills. And I also want to learn about flying in New Zealand, especially about lear- you know, landing at some of your bigger airports, like maybe Christchurch. <laughs> and he says, oh, that we can do. <laughs> but it's too windy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, we got to get like it's too windy for our single engine planes. Like we really got to get to Christchurch. And he said, well, those people are waiting for a guy to pick them up in a in a uh, in a twin Piper mm-hmm. in a Piper Seneca. There's three of them, and maybe that can fit the three of you. And I'm like, no, a Piper Seneca six seats, and you need a pilot, and we have too much luggage. And so the but the guy shows up in the Seneca and I tell him our dilemma and he says, oh, I'll ferry them across to Christchurch. I'll come back and get you guys and and I'll take you back to to Christchurch. And it worked out. It was freaking expensive, but we got there. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. There you go. That's how you solve a problem on your world tour. Exactly. Yeah, you got to fly fly to and from. They got to get there. Well, and when we got when we got to the theater where we were performing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snap told him about what we went through to get there. And I, when I took the stage, I said, "Listen, I hope you guys really appreciate this show because God herself tried to stop us from getting across the river, <laughs> mm-hmm. so and funny. we gave her a big middle finger. Yeah, you know, like, you're not going to stop me from doing comedy at this theater. That's, that's cool. <laughs> how how uh, how uh, many people did the theater hold? 
I don't know, maybe a hundred. It wasn't a okay. huge. Yeah, wasn't I was gonna say like I yeah. imagine New Zealand has would have a like I don't know a decent demand for comedy. That was again, it's a pretty isolated island. Yeah, from, you know, you think of world. it. I always thought it was next to Australia, but it's like a thousand miles away. It's yeah. far. And, I, and there is yeah. a demand for comedy. It's like saying Hawaii is near California. I feel like there's a yeah. demand for comedy yeah. in like 95% of the world. Yeah, there's just a lot of these big... Uh, people, <laughs> there's a lot of places where it's like, you it's, could use a comedy it show. It is one of those things where we show our like New York privilege of having everything yeah. so nearby us at all yeah. times. We're like, oh yeah, there's, there's large stretches of nothingness. It's like, and oh, direct flights. You can go almost yeah. everywhere from the States with one or two flights. Yeah. I suppose mm-hmm. other people are the, find it connecting to a connecting. And what right. was the, what was the audience like in New Zealand? What did they respond The audiences to the, are great. They, yeah. that was, they were great. Uh-huh. That's cool. And then uh, Australia, I think I, I think I know Australia has a pretty decent comedy scene, big, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah. exotic. See, again, yeah, New yeah. Zealand, I was exotic. Yeah. In Australia, I had to really fight yeah. for stage. I mean, Mel- like, Melbourne Festival, I think, yeah. is like second to Just for Laughs, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it's pretty big. And like, yeah. you know, obviously, big comedians from Australia have come to the States. Yeah. Like Jim Jeffries have gotten you know massively big. Well, so I went to the, I, there's a comedy club in Melbourne called the Comics Lounge, and I, I'm booked on a Tuesday, and I get there, and they say, we're really sorry, we only have 150 reservations. And they were not being sarcastic. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, usually we do better, but this is like the middle of December is like holiday season there because it's the beginning of their summer, yeah. and it's almost Christmas, so people travel a lot then. School's out, and everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. So they say, we only have 150 reservations. And I'm like, how many seats do you have? And they said, 550. And we're we normally sell out every single weekend show wow. on weekdays. We usually do, you know, two three hundred on a mm. weeknight. God, that's the dream. I know. <laughs> yeah, to have people, yeah, two hundred three hundred people show up every night. That'd be oh yeah. You know, the yeah. seller doesn't get that. Well, they can't fit that many. That, people. That's, that's, what yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like you just can't fit that yeah, many people. But you know, I I don't I don't mind that. I don't, I don't mind like small venues that can pack themselves out. Like I I appreciate no, but a, a venue. Vi- but a big venue that can pack itself. Yeah, a big venue yeah. that can pack itself out too is amazing. Oh yeah, no, like, I just like and also when it's not necessarily like a name comic too. It's just like right. somebody that's. Well, it was a showcase. Yeah. It was like a New York show with you know ten comics. Mm-hmm. They do. They don't have a drink minimum there. They don't need to. Yeah, I feel they like sh- they have a drink maximum <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> yeah, when they run out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, we're out of fosters, everybody. Yeah. So, so they do an intermission, which everybody in America thinks is the kiss of death of a show, and it's not. It yeah. really doesn't present a problem. Mm-hmm. But in Th- so the comedy club in Thailand, um, Kosan Comedy Club, is basically a barker room in Bangkok, mm-hmm. and they have something. They have two things that I found interesting. One is the guy who runs it says he makes an announcement. He said. Don't be disruptive. We don't want to have to throw you out. And in the 10 months we've been open, we've had to throw out 18 people, Damn, all bro. Australians. <laughs> <laughs> the worst people. The worst of the worst. <laughs> well, 18 of them are it's anyway. What's, his, them, what's yeah. his name, the guy who runs it? John Sampson. Yeah. From Boston. We from were, Boston. Yeah, we were try- I was trying to get him on the podcast. I reached out yeah. to him being like, hey, when are you going to be in America next? And he's just like, I haven't been back to America in four yeah, years. Yeah, that's what he told yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> So is, there, just, is there a big expat scene there? Like, uh, there's yeah. I mean, and the comedy club—it's a Barker room. Kosan yeah. Road is like Times Square times a hundred. Okay, and so he's really good at barking, and he barks people in. Mm-hmm. And so there were very few Thai people in the audience, and it was people from wherever. It was like it was a tourist. Yeah, it was yeah, like a tourist. Tourism. I mean, yeah. doing that room, I imagine it's like you're performing for the world because it's like people from all yeah. over the place. But that's and, like New York yeah. too, mm-hmm. right? And in, in in New York, yeah, it's more like if you do a club, it's like a lot of tourists. So it's like the country and like maybe a little bit of like the guys from Italy or or somewhere. I know I do shows at Broadway Comedy Club a lot, and I would say. There are times almost everybody in the audience is from a foreign country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, I've done that too. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that I've, too. I've, at the I've had that Broadway yeah. show where it's like, yeah. all right, you guys are from Canada. All right, okay. Yeah, but that's. <laughs> I mean. Oh, so I was doing a show there a couple of months ago, and the MC or one of the comics was talking to some, the crowd. And they're like, "Oh, you're from where?" And they say South Korea. And they're like, "Do you speak English?" And she's like, "Dude, we go to NYU." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I know you forget, but most people, I think, like English is like the third most spoken language in the world, or something. It's I mean, certainly the most popular well, second thing is, language. Well, the yes. thing is, it's like it's kind of a universal language. Like when I was in Russia, I went to a restaurant and um there was this uh couple from I believe they're from some somewhere in South America and they had an issue with like, I don't know, their order. So they were arguing with the waiter, the waiter who was Russian, and both of them we're arguing in English. Yeah. Because, like, that's, like, the easiest way to communicate with people who are, like, yeah. you know, just, like, from... If you're from a country that doesn't speak English and you're trying to communicate with someone who's a country that where English isn't the first language, the easiest way for you to communicate is through English yeah. rather than trying to find, like, a French... Uh, yeah. Uh, French like Africans translator. <laughs> well, I was a long time ago at a Volkswagen dealership in the Bronx, and there was a German customer yelling at a Hispanic mechanic, and neither one spoke English very well. And they were yelling at each other, but they weren't, they didn't have a disagreement. It was a misunderstanding. And I finally stepped in and basically translated from English into English in words like, I would, the German would say something, and I'd say, well, what he's really saying is oh, this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he'd say something like, well, what he's saying to you is this. And I was like, I solved the problem because there was no conflict. They just didn't understand each other. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, obviously, was Thailand the end of your tour? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So actually, it brings us because we're getting close to the end of our podcast here. Uh, any closing thoughts on Thailand? I guess would be like well, like like venue comedy wise or uh, just I, the place itself. Yeah, well, I did two. I worked at two venues there: the mm-hmm. Kosan Comedy Club and then yeah. a, a one nighter room. And I mean, great audiences, comics. They're, they're young. They're not very experienced. And I, you know, you talk to young comics in America and they think they know everything and you can't tell them anything, but it's like times 10 there where they're just, some of them are just shock comics. They're just really filthy. You don't have punchlines so much as make people uncomfortable and people laugh out of a release of tension. And they think they're, they're geniuses and wondering why they're not on Colbert. Yeah. Like, right. cause you don't have any punchlines and you're, you know, and you're 6,000 miles away. Right. From and Colbert. you don't know how to hold the microphone. <laughs> yeah. And, but Thailand was a great country to visit. It took me a day or two to, for it to grow on me, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everything is cheap there. Like a spring roll on the street right. is thirty cents. Oh yeah. oh yeah, very very popular for American tourists. Yeah. Just yeah. Thailand. <laughs> so I feel a lot like... of people like to go teach there for uh, yeah yeah teaching. Yeah, I feel like if you if you're like from America, or at least if you're from a part of America where you would travel outside of the country, because again, like at least thirty percent of Americans don't have a passport. If you're an American with a passport, you're probably going to Thailand at some point in your life. Yeah, well, like my I'm parents old, been to this Thailand. Was my first time there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I like to go to. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, my brother went there for like a year and a half, and so it was oh. amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, it's got the place to visit. Maybe we can go to the comedy club when we go yeah, there. If you're from, when we do the two mic minimum if, if tour, if you're from Thailand and listening to this, uh, book us and book uh, us. pay for our flights. Yeah. Uh, that'd be book great. Book us, yeah, yeah. We're we're American comedians. We're our big deal. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're ready. We're ready to listen. We set the bar though by hiring our own chartered flights to get places. So <laughs> yeah, I set yeah. the bar high for going to the other side of the world. Now they're yeah. like, rent your own plane, dude. You're not. We're not <laughs> yeah, flying. Yeah, we're not going to fly. 
uh but anyway yeah i think it'll, it'll yeah, wrap think up wrap the up, end of the podcast yeah, uh sean. so sean where can people find you like on social media wise are you active uh, brainchampagne.com is my website i know it's old-fashioned to have a website but it has yeah, my bio and videos yeah. and and uh you know jokes it has actually a lot of the jokes that i wrote for leno that he didn't use i put on my website some of them are pretty mm-hmm. dated but right, I have 50,000 yeah. words worth of jokes on my website. And wow. if you're wondering what that is, that's half a novel's worth uh, of that's, comedy. A, that's, a, that's pretty close to a book. <laughs> yeah, it's, half, it's basically half a book. Half a book. Damn. And Facebook, Sean Eli Breitbart. And, you know, follow me on Twitter, but Sean Eli Comedy. But just, you know, sign up for my email list and you get original comedy emailed to you every month. And it's not too sales pitchy. It'll just be like, click here for my shows. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool. And uh, anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just type in my full name. You'll find uh, both my profiles. And uh, you, Sean? Uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram at uh, BigBerry63. Uh, follow the sister podcast, The Big Berry Podcast, on Instagram. And I actually just remember one day that I have coming up on February 23rd. I'll be at UCB doing some improv. Hell yeah. Go uh, go check out Sean's improv. Yeah, check out my improv. Yes, right, and. So, yeah, so yes, I, and. So I, yeah, I should yeah. say, if you go to brainchampagne.com slash shows, it has my calendar. Yes. Okay, yeah, go yeah, check it out. And if you have a time machine, come see me in Thailand. Yeah, it comes yeah, in yeah. Thailand. But yeah, no, honestly, like, uh, if you ask someone, like, hey, do you want to go see Sean's improv? Like, they're legally obligated to say yes, and I'll bring 10 friends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting it. you into your humble home. Well, that's great. I didn't have to go. I had to walk down a flight of stairs for this. It wasn't such a big deal. <laughs> I thank all of you for listening to this episode of To Mike Minimum. Minimum.